where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. Olivia, we're back. Are you back? I am. Um, yeah, I'm back um, in in body and relatively speaking in mind. Oh, um, <laughs> after we've after we have had um, a brief sojourn, you to Portugal and me to Devon. Um, so yeah, how have you been? We haven't po- we've been so good at podcasting. We've podcasted consistently over quite a few weeks yeah. um, as part of our author special series. But we yeah, we took a break for us holidays, didn't we? We did for for me holidays and and ye holidays. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it felt a bit weird. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm used to like being at yours every week and be like, right, what is it this week? <laughs> what to talk about? Um, and actually we haven't done that for quite a long time. Like this, the constant podding, which is like, yeah. feels good, feels good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I am, I am, I would like to say on well or on the road to full recovery. I've had quite many illnesses over the past few weeks <laughs> whilst being away, which has been uh, a nightmare. Uh, but also had a stunning time. Did you have a stunning time in Devon? I did have a stunning time in Devon. I swam in the sea, which as you know, is my main goal of going anywhere. Yeah, so it's where um, you belong. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Put I want, you in the sea. I want to be at one with the water. So yeah, no, it was it was a good time, TM. Lovely. Um, and we join you this week with another author on our in our author special. We've, d- just, we've done it again. We've done it. Look. We've done it again. Yeah. We've only gone and done it again. We've read a book and now we're going to talk to the person who wrote it. Yeah. So um, we are very excited uh, this week to welcome Henry Fry, um, who has written his debut novel, First Time for Everything. Uh, Henry Fry is a writer, designer and activist based in London. And I can't put it any better than his official blurb, which puts very succinctly that his words have appeared everywhere from national magazines, sites and apps to protest placards and toilet cubicle walls. Uh, what more could you want? Um, first Time for Everything is his first novel, which charts the bumpy road of self-discovery for protagonist Danny in a heartwarming, friendship-filled comedy drama. Henry, a very warm welcome to Queer Longing. Thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh, what an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Here that you are. Great. Can you do that whenever I walk into any room? <laughs> I'll get you, I'll get it cut down for you and in like into a little MP3 and you can just send it to people yeah. to uh, oh, yeah. I can put out. play it yeah, exactly. <laughs> my phone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, if you could have um, any sort of soundtrack, you know, like how people always talk about like, oh, a soundtrack to accompany my walk down the street or entrance into a room. Uh, or into like a wrestling ring. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. What what would you have? What do you think sort of summarizes your essence? Anything from the Lemonade album. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh you must be very thrilled about tomorrow. Yeah. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. Yeah, yeah I I, yeah. I feel like I, I didn't hear anything about this and then all of a sudden it's all I'm hearing about. Is that the general rule of how it has gone? I think so, yeah. She yeah. likes okay. to kind of secretly drop it and then like in a really dramatic way yeah. and did all of those Vogue photos and everything. So yeah, yeah I am thrilled. This time tomorrow we'll be popping our heads along to her latest single in like yeah, six we does it Does this mean that we all have to download Tidal on a free trial again? Like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> or get a friend to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got that title friend. Yeah. They? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, that thinking about lemonade is one of my favorite things to remember. Like the time when lemonade came out, I remember yeah. being at like the pub with some mates, like maybe a day or two after it come out, and they were like, "Oh, I haven't watched it yet." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Finish your drink." And we went straight back to our I, flat and watched, made them watch. I it. remember coming to yours specifically to watch it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it was a real, a real time in our lives, wasn't it? Um, a cultural moment, yeah. And I don't really consume like bodies of work in the same way no, anymore. None of us do anymore, do we? That's mm. what's so amazing about it. I think really maybe it will happen again. You know, with this ne- latest album, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's true. I do love when an album is like album, visual, video, mm. all the things, all the big package. I do love yeah. that. It's very exciting. It's like a whole, a whole, a whole aura of an album. Love that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what a more perfect time than now to move on to other things that we're living and longing for, because obviously maybe that's all of our collective living and longings. This I, think week. It, I think it could be, but yeah. yeah, let's have another. But let's let's have a couple more. Um, and we always like to hand over to our guest first. So Henry, what are you living and longing for this week? Oh, well, living at the moment, I guess my book is just about my debut novel. It's just about to come out um, in the UK in hardback. So I'm kind of doing press stuff for that. Um, I'm also adapting it into a TV show with a production company. So I've just sent off a draft 
of that today of a kind of rejig of that Amazing. so I'm just very much living <laughs> living the book at the moment very intensely um and then from Wednesday I'll be living Glastonbury so that sounds like a great vibe. time of life to be in Glastonbury and making your book into a tv show what what's that process like where are you up to with that do you have any who who's the dream person that would play Danny who would play Jacob like tell us everything in, in oh your God. mind everyone keeps asking me this I, <laughs> I need to come up with some better answers um I always thought um Tace from Drag Race would be an amazing if there was like a no offense Tace a younger Tace Ooh. um the <laughs> 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 um then they would be absolutely perfect for Jacob um Sure. kind of more art schooly version I guess yeah um the process of changing it into a tv show is absolutely wild I've not really any experience I've sort of well I've got a um a background in uh, like theater design and set design and costume design so I have worked a, bit, a little bit on film but it's very different from adapting your own work your own original work into your own original work in a different format and completely totally. learning a different format. So that's super interesting. I'm working with this amazing production company called Moon River Content um, and they're being super supportive in helping me adapt the material. But I did start working on it last year when I was editing the novel and at the same time adapting it into a TV show. So it was quite a strange. <laughs> That's insane. That's mad. Like, um, I dabble in the the arts, the dark arts of writing. Um, and uh I do like script writing as opposed to like prose writing because I've I always but I have done like prose writing before and they are such different forms and I can't imagine the like although I mean sometimes I have like written like a short story and then of my thing to then like do this the, the the script from it, but like I can't imagine doing both at the same time. That is insane. And like, it is such a different like beast um, and making sure that, you know, you hit all the beats and everything like that. It's like- Yeah, yeah, I know all about that now. Yeah. And it was really <laughs> crazy because I just had, I had a bike accident and had a spine operation. So I was recovering from the spine operation, lying flat on my back for six weeks on morphine, adapting my own book into what? a TV show. It was absolutely oh. mad. This is very Kanye West through the wire. <laughs> I'm just like him. <laughs> Everyone says it. I now feel like like I'll never complain about anything ever. Again. I, I, I feel I feel so lazy. That's amazing. How did you even do that when you're like flying flat? Did you have like a, a suspended kind of? Uh, or were you just um, maybe someone like someone was taking notes? The yeah, whole time someone was your, your scribe. Yeah, your scribe. No, I had like five pillows, and I wow. had the, the, the screen of the laptop like looming towards me dangerously <laughs> at all times. So I did get, you know, when you it hits you on the bridge of the nose. Yeah. <laughs> I got used to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Pure dedication. To yes. Course. Oh my yeah. god. Um, wow. Well, that was um, is that your sort of like combined living and longing? Is your longing for Glasto? Is that what you're oh longing for? Oh my god. For? Uh no, the longing, I would say the longing is actually my second book, which I've also started working on. Perfect. Um and You're so good at this. You're doing yeah. our job for us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, the whole curse of the second album thing. Mm. It is very strange because I've always written since I was a child, really. And I've never had an audience really before. Sure. And that really changes how you think about your work. Because yeah. now, you know, now I'm contractually obliged to create another book and everyone's like, oh, we love this book. And I'm like, oh, that's great. However, <laughs> now you get the fear over the second piece of work. Sure. Um, much like Beyonce must be having with yeah. this. Yeah, now she's terrified. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> can't sleep. She's not sleeping. No sleeping yeah. in the Knowles household or Carter household, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah okay perfect love that very exciting we will ask you a little bit more about that later um but Olivia what are you living on for this week well my living for was my holiday which I've already talked about so you know that was that was nice went yeah. in the sea had an ice cream you all know how that went down um what I am longing for um well it was what I was originally longing for until it got um rescheduled so um this week was supposed to be um like an author 
um, discussion between um, Laura Kay, Lily London and Bethany Rutter um, mm-hmm. in Manchester at Blackwell's this, this week, um, but it's been rescheduled because of the trains. But I have just finished reading um, Bethany's book, Welcome to Your Life. And we had Laura Kay on the podcast um, talking about her latest book a couple of weeks ago. So I was really looking forward to that. I'm going for a drink with Laura. So Laura, if you're listening, hi, we will have to reschedule that drink to the 11th of August. <laughs> so if you've got- That's how she finds out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how she finds out about her own appearance. Um, but yeah, and I was really looking forward to that. But I'm still, I'm still longing for it, just um, in the more distant future rather than sure. the nearer future. I would say. Um, what are you living and longing for this week, Lucy? Yeah, I agree. A shame it had to be uh, re rescheduled, but you know, stand stand with the strikes. So it's absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, I am living long for very boringly as well. Living for my holiday, I couldn't think of anything else. Um, you know, when you when you're back off holiday, it's all you can think about. I'm yeah. already planning my next holidays. <laughs> Like, especially because I had quite quite a bit of a mixed time. It was stunning, but I wasn't very well. So I'm like, I deserve another one right away. You absolutely do. Who was the best person that you saw at Primavera? Uh, 100 Gex. (laughs) It was ridiculous. It was very silly. Um, Yeah, it was good. It was really fun. Um, It was like a fun festival because it was like, I was actually, do you know what? This is what I'm living for, was how stunning the festival was as a festival. It had like, a thousand loos everywhere. I think the longest I waited for a loo was like two minutes. Mm. It had like toilet paper every single time, apart from like once. Yeah. They were all clean. It had bars everywhere. The longest I waited for a pint of sangria was like three minutes, if that. Yeah. A pint of like a super bot, like a lager or a sangria, cost five euros, what? which is less than oh. it costs in Manchester to have a pint. It's that. worth it's worth the flight. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Why yeah. are we not all going to Primavera? Although yeah, it exactly. seemed like everyone did go there. Yeah, well, well yeah. Well yeah. I was at I was at the one in Porto, which is like the smaller one, the bit less uh, they, right. they, yeah. the bit less uh, gay one. I they would do say, say but that it was, um, it was good. They do say that the Porto Primavera is um the festival for 30 somethings all of the reasons that, that you've said that you it's can very comfortable yeah you can, very amenable. You, you can very comfortably you know watch St Vincent quietly with a glass of red wine <laughs> it, was, it was stunning it was so nice and it was exactly that yeah and it's great it's a great like venue venue great like location you'd have to walk more than like four minutes to get to <laughs> oh honestly right now I'm worried because I sound, I sound really old. Henry, are you going to be one of those people um, next week who um, tells people that Glastonbury's like a city? <laughs> oh, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it is. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be saying that it's stunning in terms of amenities, yeah. I would I would imagine, especially yeah. if it rains. Yeah, which is the thing, like, and then apparently, like, um, we were talking to these people on the plane who we managed to, like, we were, you know, like, uh, sat next to the same people on the plane on the way back as on the way out and they'd been to the festival as well and they were saying that they would been looking on the festival Facebook and apparently everyone had been complaining about like they're not being enough loose they're not being enough bars and we were like god do we just settle for such crap in this country yeah. <laughs> that like we were like oh this is heaven <laughs> and everywhere else is like this is not good enough um but anyway, the people that are going to moan are the ones that moan. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, that's what I'm living for. What I'm longing for is in a couple of weeks time, we are seeing Lord and Saviour, Carly Rae Jepsen. That is so soon. <laughs> so soon. We're going down to oh London. Gosh. Have a yeah. Somerset House. Oh, what a time. To be yeah. Gosh, you know, I saw her a couple of years ago yeah. in Brixton and I have never seen so many white gay men in one room. It was yeah. really unreal yeah. <laughs> like, we um same similarly saw on the same tour in the the manchester date and yeah. it was um it was quite something wasn't it it was the last the last gig we went to before the pandemic what, and I just, you say that what but a week later we saw kim petras don't forget oh yeah 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 <laughs> very kim petras well. was also very important mm. and great but i used to sort of sadly go through and scroll through those photographs and like look at the one you know the the color one was all that confetti and, yeah. stuff, and i was just very sad so i'm looking forward to um seeing her sort of semi post panny i guess um so yeah stunning um but henry this is about you so we will bring it back and we've discussed some of these things a little bit um in the beginning of our chat but i guess for the benefit of our listeners and for those who don't know could you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the book i know we've spoken about casting and a couple of other things but just set the scene for everybody if you wouldn't mind oh my gosh yes so um hello everyone i am henry fry 
I'm an author and activist and uh, screenwriter and all sorts of things now. Um, and my, I guess by the time you're listening to this, my first novel will be out everywhere. Uh, it's called First Time for Everything. Um, and it's basically a kind of coming of age, coming of queer novel um, about this, this character, Danny Scud, who's in his late twenties. Uh, and he, he came out at university but he realizes he's never really um, explored what that means. He's always been kind of uh, palatably gay for a straight audience. All his friends are straight, except for his very, um, very non-straight friend, Jacob, who is a kind of incredible um, uh, performance artist, non-binary performance artist, who is the sort of antithesis of, of the rest of Danny's very heteronormative life. Um, and I sort of wrote it because I was, I felt like in the same way that a lot of straight kind of rom-coms or narratives, they end when the couple get married and then it's like, oh, the, or, you know, or they, they say, I love you. It's like the end of their story and they fall in love and it's all happily ever after. I feel like we've had this phase of queer stories where they end when the character comes out and everyone is accepting, whereas in maybe 10 years ago, they would have been kicked out of the house by their family or whatever. And I just feel like that's also not true. Like you come coming out is something that happens kind of continually in lots of different ways. And if you've had to hide who you are for your formative years, it's not something that just goes away when you have one conversation with your parents or whoever. So I noticed in my late twenties that a lot, me and a lot of my friends went through this almost second coming out. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to explore what that would be like. I'd not read that before. Um, and to write something joyful, to write a kind of joyful but true story about queer kind of mental health and queer community. Um, so that's, and houseplants. So that's really what it's about. There's a huge, somewhat suggestive cactus on the front cover if you see it in waterstones you can't yeah, it really it. is <laughs> i'm looking at it right now and um yeah i love the inclusion of um the sort of plant gay um trope it reminds me of um, yeah. myself i'm looking at all of my plants over just to the left hundreds and um also the the trixie mattel um eyeshadow palette um that came out last year is called plant gay so oh, it? it's yes, a thing yes. it's a thing yeah. it's a thing um, oh well thank you thank you so much hopefully um you know if you're listening you will have um, an idea now of what first time for everything um is all about so you can sort of imagine these characters in your head and maybe you can give suggestions um for Jacob you know is there another sort of taste equivalent out there that we can that we can suggest so we will see um so just to further sort of paint that picture Henry would you mind giving our audience a little bit of a taste of the book for sure um this is actually the first time I have read from the book to anyone oh okay <laughs> Very exciting um so just I guess I'll just give you a little bit of background to this excerpt so Danny is um he's very shy but we we meet him in this excerpt at the point in the book when he's kind of uh trying out lots of things which are maybe not going as planned um, and he's just trying his first grinder hookup. Um, and he's been chatting to this guy called Claus and he's turning up at his house. Um, so, Claus told me to message on the app rather than ring the bell. So I stand there outside the red door, trying to stop my leg from shaking, typing I'm here into the black and yellow screen. Joining in with a nice electricity in my pants is my old friend, the anxiety forehead electricity. My stomach is also swirling, which worries me given the scenario. Claus had not told me that his house was undergoing renovation and several builders are clambering around scaffolding and going back and forth, yelling to one another in Polish while Carly Rae Jepsen plays loudly from one of their phones. Hello, one says gruffly, bringing out some smashed up bricks from the back and lobbing them into the skip on the pavement. I'm Claus's friend, I say, from uni. Alex, the man says, pointing at himself. Yes, I say. He goes back round the side of the house. A few more bars of Call Me Maybe play. A few more bounces of my knee occur. The door swings inwards. Is that my chicken, Jalfrazy? 
Claus appears in the doorway in a pair of Nike sports shorts and bag baggy blue NHS at 70 t-shirt. He's taller than I expected and even handsomer, which never happens, I'm led to believe. A cute cluster of brown freckles pepper his nose and cheeks, and he's slightly sunburned across the forehead. Oh no, that'll be next then. Sorry, I say, you can't eat me. He stares at me blankly, then lets out a laugh that sounds more like a sneeze. I feel my face colour. You didn't think about that before you said it, did you? <laughs> no, you didn't. But I'll still let you in. He turns back into the hall. I waver on the welcome mat. It says, hi, I'm Matt on it. I promise not to eat you, Claus says from the hall. Oh yeah, thanks. I go in and close the doors. He leads me upstairs. What I see of the house is lovely, more adult and put together than my new house. It's all gray blue walls and actually framed pictures that aren't weird and vaginal. There are cheese plants and bookcases and actual books in them. The several bedrooms he leads me past all seem to have colorful, charming quilts and shagpile rugs on white exposed boards. There's even a tabby sunning itself on a double bed in the master bedroom. His room, like mine, is on the top floor, though it's larger with a slanting roof and a big arched window that lets in a lot of light. Beyond it, I can see the scaffolding, a flap of plastic hanging in the calm air. This room too looks like it belongs to a real adult. There's a palm tree next to the desk where a series of medals hang from a clothes peg and several nicely framed pictures of him with family and friends grinning in a variety of army locations. I recognise one as the picture that he'd sent me, only it has a woman who must be his mum in it. He's done the wise thing and cropped her out. Weirdly, a sense of comfort floods my body. He's a decent guy. I love your plants, I say. The parlour palm is a bit dry, though. Suddenly, his hands are on my chest. So nice of you to come round, he says, kissing me. I haven't seen you before. I just moved here, I say, trying to negotiate kiss and conversation at the same time. I used to live south, so... Ah, the southerner's first foray into East London. His accent is maybe Dutch or German. I can't work it out. How are you finding it? Pretty good, I suppose. He pushes me back onto the tasteful woolen blanket across the bed, where I fall as rigidly as a corpse. His mouth tastes freshly of toothpaste, but with an aftertaste of something tangy, like Orangina. His hands are now sliding up my T-shirt. Well, maybe we can make it memorable. His tongue is in my ear. Now it's in my mouth again. Now it's circling my chin. Now it's licking my cheek like a cat lapping up milk. As I, I lie as still as possible, unsure how to react to what's quickly becoming a lie down bar. <laughs> so what do you like doing? He whispers through the saliva in my ear. Like everything, everything. Yeah, I'm excited. You Brits are usually so restrained. My granddad's Scottish, so I'm really kinky, he says. The word alone makes me think of the porn I'm too afraid to click on but it also adds to the arousal. I've gone beyond the boundary now. Oh yeah, I'm getting into it now, trying to redirect his mouth back to kissing me instead of licking me. He pulls off my top and gets stuck into my armpit. My strategy is failing. Yeah, he breathes hungrily. I'm into all sorts. And away go my jeans and boxers. At some point, he's also taken his off. How has he done this during all this licking? But of course, the dream would be for you to take a dump on my chest. I start coughing manically. Of course. He sits up and stares at me. What, you're not into scat play? I try to stop coughing, looking at him quizzically. Like, jazz? Claus rolls his eyes. Oh, just fuck me then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is harder than you might think, or rather, no hardness at all. From this point on, everything, every time he touches my dick, it gets softer and softer. At one point, it basically becomes an innie. <laughs> Why did I choose this bit? Though, cl <laughs> Though clearly frustrated, Claus doesn't give up and manages to suck it to completion. The whole experience is both mortifying and kind of hot. And afterwards I lie in the tangled sheets, staring at the ceiling while he goes next door to get a towel. Hello, comes a voice from the window. Jesus Christ, I cry, pulling the tasteful blanket over my distasteful mess. No, grins the builder kneeling on the scaffolding, Alex. <laughs> Amazing. Huge, huge rounds, rapturous rounds of applause. <laughs> that was stunning. Thank you so much for reading that. Um uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I what what I was thinking about, well, I was thinking a few things while you were while you were reading that, but um what I was thinking about is that this book really brings to life 
what it is to be in a space you know <laughs> like so this is like we we say this a lot when yeah when we're going through a very sort of like singular specific time of life and we'll be like what's happening is I'm in a space and Danny is so in a space in a very specific space he's working through a lot but the way that you tell it is just so it's it it's funny but it's also quite it's realistic as well as well as sort of having these like far-fetched comical elements and I think that that particular excerpt really sort of summarizes the essence of the book um in in that way so thank you for reading it yeah no totally I I was I was just gonna say the exact same thing I thought it was a perfect uh, excerpt (laughs) to to highlight uh you know the way the the book is presented to us the way the story is presented to us and the characters and I really was interested in um how you did use obviously it's a very funny book there's a lot of humor and also you use humor you kind of touched on this before um like to talk about uh, mental health issues and you know Danny has a lot of anxiety he uh you know spoiler alert but not really spoiler alert goes to therapy in the book and you know that helps him and stuff like that and I was wondering um why like was it really important to you to use humor in your writing um did that just or does that just come naturally to you or did you want it to be that kind of like you didn't want it to just be too serious or why why did you employ humor so so heavily which I'm glad you did (laughs) um I don't think I could ever write a fully serious anything (laughs) (laughs) I think even if I was writing a funeral scene it would be Auntie Anne saying oh my god I've left the the hob on like you know what I mean I just think I think those are the details that I notice and remember in life um and especially actually at like difficult or awful moments you people go on autopilot or people do strange things or you just you you know you're in shock so you remember these strange details which then seem farcical like um I went to my grandma's funeral last year and the thing that I remember weirdly the most from it was um she only all of the songs she had picked out were um oh my goodness it was it wasn't Dolly Parton oh my god I can't remember it that's a terrible anecdote don't use that well Dusty Springfield and I just remember thinking like this is this is so she was also a very religious woman so it was so strange that it was like suddenly it was like the wind beneath my wings and all this (laughs) I was expecting Hocus Pocus to come on oh my Um, god would be amazing what do we do the camp funeral dreams but I really wanted to, to, I wanted to use the lens of humour to be able to talk about some of the, the difficult things that, that many LGB people and many, many people go through without it being a kind of dark, tragic narrative. Because I think, I mean, fortunately now, I think we're living through a kind of queer creative renaissance where there are all these different stories coming out. Um, that are multifaceted but certainly growing up I feel like I only whenever there was a gay story it was a tragic story yeah and I just think like I know so many incredible and fun and lively queer people and I have you know quite a fun queer life and I just think I just really wanted to see that represented without without uh, ignoring the difficulty like there is trauma and all of these difficult feelings. But I mean, a lot of the way that I think queer people deal with that is through humor or through creativity, you know? Um, so that's that's kind of why, really. Yeah. I also think I just couldn't have done it any other way, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, I, I, to- I totally agree that like, I, I think it is definitely the case that, um, I, I mean, I have a lot of anxiety. I am a queer person and I definitely have used humor as like a, use it as a as a defense but also as like a as a a way to it's like a way to position yourself that like is universal I think like most <laughs> <laughs> boring person I know <laughs> um but yeah no I thought I thought I thought that um it was very it's very like like you say the the stories of our youth of queer queer people are like oh it's all very difficult isn't it and yes it is difficult and you don't shy away from that it's still there 
but you are telling it in this way. It's like, no, these lives are vibrant. Um, and the that really comes out of the book. So yes, I really, really love that element of it. Yeah, and on kind of on the vibrancy that we um, experience through the book, I also wanted to talk about queer friendship um, as, a, as a really huge theme of, of the book and the relationship between Danny and Jacob is probably, you know, the most sort of beautiful story that's told within the book. Um, and I wanted to ask why it was, you know, clearly important for you to explore how our friendships evolve alongside our own personal development as queer people. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Yeah, because I would say you're completely right. The the relationship between the two best friends in it, Danny and Jacob, is the central kind of love story really of the novel um but it is all about kind of I hate the term finding your tribe because it sounds so <laughs> cheesy and also so solid whereas I think friendships and relationships are, are constantly changing and shifting throughout your life even if like Danny and Jacob you've been friends since you were five they the thing with them is that they have been friends for so long um, they haven't realized that actually they have changed and the friendship needs to change. And this is what, as, especially as Danny, who is the novel's protagonist, goes through quite a, a distinct, uh, sudden change in his life as everything falls away, his relationship falls away, his housing falls away. He goes, sort of approaches this kind of mental breakdown. He realizes that actually his and Jacob's friendship, which has been a kind of, a sort of queer um, sanctuary inside a very heteronormative world for both of them, especially for Danny, um, that they they had that hasn't evolved as they have changed, um, and I think that's something quite interesting. Just in long friendships, is how they do, like like a romantic relationship. You know, you do have to step back and reassess and all this kind of thing. And if you've known each other since you were five, you've changed a lot since then, but perhaps the structure of your friendship hasn't changed. Like Jacob refers, they they call themselves Big Edie and Little Edie, which is from the documentary Grey Gardens. If you haven't seen it, iconic. And uh, not the Drew Barrymore version, less iconic. Sorry, Drew. Um, but Jacob is sort of positioned as the mother figure and Danny as the kind of child um, and they both kind of play into that in lots of ways. Like Jacob has felt like they've had to be this parental character, not just to Danny, but to everyone in their life. And also as a way of protecting themselves. Whereas Danny has sort of let himself be mothered by basically everyone in his life um, because he's too scared to, to live it. Um, so I just found that very a very interesting it's very interesting when you have such a long history with people, like how do you, you know, people go to university, don't they? And they reinvent themselves, but Danny, <laughs> or some people do, um, or, but Danny and Jacob have known each other forever. So how you can't really, when, when Danny starts to reinvent himself, Jacob is very skeptical. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was really interesting how you portrayed, you know, the situation where, Jacob um, invites Danny into their world, into their very sort of specific, you know, intentionally curated queer world and um, existence. And, you know, how, how that is a point of tension in their relationship, but it's also, it's also positive and the sort of nuances of um, that that time of life that they both sort of experience because I think it can be quite I think it can be really um positive to do that but it can also you know possibly be a little bit intense if the person that you're bringing into that space isn't quite ready to occupy it in the right way yes and Danny is definitely not ready arguably is maybe never ready to enter um, Jacob's very like East London performance art crazy queer world when when Danny is sort of quite conservative and uptight and shy but I mean it's this kind of trial by fire because he has nowhere else to live and he actually once he kind of opens up to it he realizes that there's there's a lot of warmth there and there's this this familial warmth which is again what I wanted to 
explore was that kind of found family element, um, which helps him actually mend uh, mend problems he has with his like birth family and with Jacob, who essentially is his family in another way. Um, so it's all this kind of, for him, it's this process of, Jacob calls it the untethering, um, of kind of realizing there's all these layers that he's built up on himself uh, as a protective layer. It's not necessarily been put onto him, although you know it has in some ways. Um, and kind of peeling those back and trying on identities to find which one fits. And of course, in the end, spoiler alert, he discovers that it's it's not really about trying on identities. It's about drawing out um, what's already there. Oh, so cheesy. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> crying, <laughs> crying. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's almost like a like a sort of uh, like a flood like a flooding therapy. Um, yeah. You know, like going from zero to like oh god, like well not zero, but from like a very sort of like 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 you've said, you know, sort of heteronormative life as a, as a as a queer person, but then going into like big heady queer life. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a. Uh, it's done very well. It's very fun to sort of uh, see. Uh, I think it's very relatable for some people, maybe. Uh, and also, like, it's it's something that I think you can recognise in other people and stuff that, you know, people go through this actualizing their queerness in very different ways at very different times. And I think what is beautiful about the queer community and shows in this book is that we all recognise that in each other and we're never, like, you know, as long as you're not hurting yourself or hurting other people, like, we are very accepting of, like, when you're doing it is fine and we'll help you through it if we can and blah 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 and that, that whole family fam family queer mm-hmm. family thing is obviously golden best thing that you can have and aren't we all so lucky um but uh one of the things uh i thought it was perfect time you take talking about how basically he goes from quite a sort of boring ish normal sort of step-by-step life into like this big uh sort of more of a party scene more of a like going out a, a bit more like exploring yourself finding lots of new like meeting lots of new people and um you know going out on school nights and things like that like who can imagine <laughs> um and uh you know uh, a bunch of the book takes us to the heady heights of the the queer dance floor and so I thought it'd be a perfect time to ask for your track of the week oh my gosh yeah. Well, good, good segue. Um, <laughs> I've actually, in the last two days, become completely obsessed with this singer called Dochi, who has got this song called Crazy. Okay. And she, it's the video, the music video is crazy. It's basically, <laughs> she's completely naked, except for some like thigh high leather boots in this warehouse with a lot of other completely naked women you guys will like this well, <laughs> what and they're basically just walking around like shooting each other and it's I don't love all the gun stuff but it's just I've never I can't remember the last time I watched a music video and felt so like excited by yeah the sound and the visuals it was just it's very intense and she does this incredible performance of that and another song um, called Persuasive on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, which is just, like, absolutely amazing. Oh. She's so high energy. Like, I don't know, almost reminds me of, like, Grace Jones' vibe in, like, the 80s, Ooh. but obviously contemporary. Um, yeah, really, not, not like, it's not Nora Jones, you know? <laughs> you, can't, you can't do your yoga to it, but it's, like, yeah, very impactful. You can get ready to it. Yeah, we're not interested in yoga songs, so don't don't, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I've not heard of her, so I'm very uh, very intrigued. I'll definitely be looking looking that up. Oh, great. Love that. And that's very exciting. Liv, what is your track of the week? Um, My track of the week is Anything But Me by Muna from the new Mm, Muna album, Um, Mm. because I am going to see Muna in November. And I think it is a really, really good album. I'm really into it. Um, So, yes, I feel that they have come a long way since we saw them a couple of years ago with all of those Steve musics um, in that basement (laughs) and I am really really excited for um, the full-on Moona Queer Spectacular. Do you know where they're playing off the top of your head? Um, Albert Hall. Oh god yeah they are out of the basement they're literally in a place of windows amazing that's stunning. Um, Proud of them. 
proud of them uh yeah you will see obviously every lesbian there so that will be um exciting for you absolutely um, what's yours <laughs> <laughs> mine is just it harks back to uh my song and my moment of the festival which was um well well i won't i won't do my actual moment of the festival because it's a christmas song but basically 100 Gex who were like the most the stupidest like band that there is probably in the world they're like they, this is a band it's like two people who just sing some songs that are like their voices are altered over like really really high speed tracks like this is this is people this is like music that wouldn't exist without the internet mm. you know what I mean it's pure in in my bedroom internet music but it's really high energy it's really just stupid they sing about like Spongebob and shit like that like it's very stupid but it was just compared to like quite a lot of the the rest of the festival. We were just like sat late, you know, like chilling, just like yeah, glass of glass of red wine, glass of sangria, watching like something something Nora Jones esque on the Nora as, Jones as the sunset, yeah. the sun, yeah, <laughs> sun etc. This was like massive energy, everyone like going insane to this stupid absolute like digi pop um so uh my i'm gonna go with stupid horse which is a very very <laughs> silly song of theirs now i would go with my favorite song by them which we were me and my friend Ree, who we went with uh we were like oh they're not gonna play it because it's a christmas song it's called sympathy for the grinch um and <laughs> we were like they're obviously not gonna play it it's not christmas and we were like already resigned to that um but they played their set and they went off and they came back on for an encore which like doesn't happen at festivals very often and was the only time it happened like really um actually that whole weekend of people we saw and then they played sympathy for the grinch <laughs> and we lost our minds when i tell you i lost my mind so that would probably be my track leap i feel actually do you know what we've got other christmas songs on there yeah i'm putting that sympathy, we, sympathy we, for the grinch we basically have all of that like robbie williams christmas album <laughs> from a couple of years ago on there so that is evergreen that is that is an all year and an all year round golden golden record <laughs> and while we're talking about music i would like to take this opportunity to highlight um something that we failed to include at the top of the podcast which was think about what we're truly longing for lucy what we're really longing for as people um who enjoy music and enjoy pop what are we longing for think about it think about it i can't believe we haven't we haven't said it as our longing for what is going to be happening in this here uk oh my god that oh, your vision. Yes. As if we haven't said that. As if we, it, it's. Do you know what I think? It's because it's too good to be true. We yeah. don't. We don't want to. We don't. We don't want to believe it. Like yeah. it's. I'm worried because like uh, we saw our mutual friend. Um. Uh. Well, I saw our mutual friend even the other day, and um, they were like, "We have to go. We have to go." And I was like, "What if we can't go though? What if we can't make it happen? Because like we have to, but what if we can't? <laughs> so, no, but you just have to make it happen." Yes, but isn't that what isn't that what every single queer person in the UK is saying right now? Yeah, well, <laughs> how many how many queer people are there in the UK? Five hundred. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. It's fine. Like, and how many of them work for the BBC? Uh, that, well, this is true. Five hundred. This is true. About five to six, and and I know one of them. So that actually, you're, you're not wrong. I forgot. I forgot about our in. I yeah. forgot about our nepotism. So to make our way to the top of Eurovision. I mean, if imagine if we all worked Eurovision. Oh, stop it, little lanyard. Yeah. Oh, we were like oh. scurrying to give you know Graham Norton his gin and tonic in the booth. <laughs> I oh my god! Like or like when the there was the Olympics, and you know, like everyone could dress up as like Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart. <laughs> that would be amazing. We could all dress as like Lordy and like walk yes. around. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's my dream. I think we should all um, dress in those, um, in those coloured suits from the No Prejudice song oh, from 2014. Yeah. 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 Oh, great. Okay. So there's a lot to Oof. think about, but it's important to remain positive is that that's all, <laughs> that is all I will say absolutely um okay right god i'm, I'm distracted now because all, <laughs> all i'm thinking about is how we get to eurovision yes so i just wanted to ask a really quick question um which yeah. is more about like format formatting in the book um so obviously <laughs> this is very very like, this is like a writer's question but i'm just intrigued so the book uses like text messaging within the book um which obviously we see like quite a bit more these days obviously within books um, and I wondered if like that was something that you initially had like been like this has to happen because it really shines like it really shows it's like a really great way of showing the friendship between the characters like it really shines their characters through you know people are very specific on text I think um, and I thought that it was like a really great way of 
like depicting their friendship. But I wondered just quickly if it was like something that you started off like, I'm going to include this, or it sort of just came out of the woodwork when you were like, how do I um, display this friendship? No, I, I was always in there from the get go. Sure. I think I watched an interview with Sally Rooney where they people were asking her about this because obviously she uses emails and texts yes. and everything. And she was like, well, it's just how we communicate now. And that's that's kind of how I felt. I was like, well, they would just text each other. Like yeah, Danny gets yeah. out of the STI clinic. He's not going to call his best friend. No. Like no one's died. He's going to yeah. text him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, definitely. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I just, that just made me think though that a lot of people now have moved on to like voice noting. Like voice noting is like, you know, definitely oh, my a big God. thing, isn't it? Are you a fan or not a fan? Uh, it depends really on who it's from. I have I have a friend who sends me sort of six minute long voice messages. Yeah, uh, we've, we've been discussing etiquette around <laughs> voice noting. There's definitely a voice note etiquette, isn't there? It shouldn't shouldn't be. Sometimes I've I've definitely been been guilty of doing long ones and yes, then being like, oh god, too. sorry. Actually, as I say that. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I love I love and how great would it be in the future that you get to get get like a little book. And then you're reading the book and then you just press a little thing and it does like the voice note of the character. Oh, yeah, that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I bet they'll have it on Kindle by next oh, year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Actually writing voice notes would be quite funny. I hadn't yeah. even thought about that. Because people just ramble on and that would be quite funny. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, great yeah. info for go, book Go two. for it, Thank go you. for it. We'll see it, uh, we can't wait to see it in your next book. So um, yeah, well, I mean, this is actually a perfect way to segue into our next segment because you literally just there said that you you only really agree with it uh, when it comes from certain people. From some people, you don't agree with it. And therefore, <laughs> I'd like to ask you what this week you don't agree with. I don't agree with it. Okay, so this, we're recording this during Pride Month. We've had a few weeks of Pride Month already. And as has been happening, happening increasingly in the last few years, I am getting so sick of seeing a rainbow flag on literally everything like we've all seen the marks and spencers like lgbt sandwich <laughs> and earlier today the uh canal and river trust tried to friend me on twitter and they also had a rainbow logo and i thought that's fine uh that's that's nice that you want people to know that you're not homophobes in the the, the rivers and the canals but it just feels like it's lost all meaning um yeah. and i'm just I just I don't know couldn't th couldn't these companies just like put some money towards mermaids and just not tell anyone probably <laughs> not because we live in a capitalist society so they need to tell us because now they have a moral obligation to have certain mor like moral standings but it just I don't know I feel very I feel a bit conflicted about it because part of me thinks like that's great like I remember going to first the first London Pride I ever went to and seeing like the Barclays bus with like, we support our like mm. LGBT employees. And I thought, oh my God, that's unreal. Like, I can't believe I'm seeing that. But now many years later, I can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't believe it. I think that's the difference. Yeah. I don't know if they are supporting them. Um, mm. They're just doing it because they feel like they have to. So that's how I feel about that. That's my hot take on that. Absolutely. I think that is a very apt one. Did you um did you happen to see the Burger King campaign that came out? <laughs> oh my god, no, I missed this. Oh my god. <laughs> what? What? I actually I actually kind of liked that one. I thought it was kind of hilarious. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I sort of didn't hate it. Oh my god, yeah. I gotta see this. Because it's, it was a little bit inventive and tongue in cheek, like it wasn't earnest. No, you know? it wasn't. Um, so basically, um, in summation, yeah, the campaign um, was obviously for Pride Month, and they were um, giving out burgers for um, Pride Month that had, um, rather than like the um, the bun split into two, yeah. got like that bit and that yeah. bit. Um, they were giving out burgers. Um, with a top and a top and a bottom and a bottom. <laughs> See? Like, How did I miss that? The algorithm has failed me I know, once that, again. That should have been served to you on Twitter. Yes, that's very upsetting. Oh yeah. my I God. They, I think they sort of took it down quite quickly because they got, they got called right. out. Yeah, okay. I'm like, 
at least it's funny. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, <laughs> we've all seen worse. Least, we've all seen worse. At least worse. it actually like taps into the culture in some way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know like, what I mean? Yeah, because I was like, because, you know, often we see these things where it's like complete gaffes and you know that not a queer person hasn't been near this marketing yeah. campaign. But I sort of think yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a st- surely a straight person didn't come up with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of like, I, I, I live for this book. Oh my God. So. Um, yes, but, but, but. Back, back to your don't agree with it, Henry. Absolutely. Also don't agree with uh, lip service, essentially, to the queer community. Yeah. Don't agree with it. Never will. Not sure it's getting any better. It might be getting worse. So, um, yes. What were you doing? Turn the light on. Oh, I thought you were like, I'm off. She's actually off. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, off. Off. I'm off to get my burger. Get your burger. So, yes. Olivia, what don't you agree with this week? So what I don't agree with this week is being robbed. Oh, yeah, you were mm. robbed. Yeah, I was robbed um, a couple of weeks ago. It was very unfortunate. They stole all of my makeup, oh. all of it, all of my skincare, all of it. My weekend bag, some new clothes, my straighteners, um, my gym ID. So they're getting in at the Nuffield. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And most importantly, and catastrophically, Henry, the proof of your book. So (laughs) Robert out there has got early access to uh, First Time for Everything. So I'm very sorry. The true crime. Yeah, the true true crime has been committed. And I was so annoyed because, well, for many reasons, but also because I was a couple of chapters from the end, you know, that really like, you know, you're you're, you're bringing it home and you're going to just like get the satisfaction of finishing the book. But um, the very kind um, publishers, uh, Orion, sent me this new shiny copy. So thank you so much. Um, But yeah, that is what I don't agree with. I do not agree with being robbed. It was very annoying. Still haven't got the car back. The whole back windows were completely blasted out and we had to drive drive through. Yeah, no pun intended. We had to to drive through Chalton with like the air like blasting through the car. (laughs) At least it was a heat wave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd um, had a very nice long weekend and then came back to absolute so decimation. Oh, man. No, I am really sorry. There's nothing as horrible as uh, being robbed. Like, it's very, you know, horrible, not nice. All those horrible logistic things, but also, you know, in, like it's an invasion, isn't it? And we don't like an invasion. No. So, no just I'm annoying, isn't it? You're like, yeah. I can get all this stuff back, but like, do I have? Do I have to? Yeah. yeah. Like, who's gonna want all my like half you Charlotte Tilbury? Yeah, like, exactly. You're not gonna sell that. No. No. Yeah, like, they're just gonna chuck up. Yeah. Which is so. Don't annoying. tell me, Lucy. Don't tell <laughs> like, me. I know. Um, but I maybe have. They'll, received... Maybe they'll give them to 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 people who friends really and need, family really need. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather that than they get chucked. To That's be honest, still, yeah, I'd rather they get used. Surely, so, surely. Yeah, it's very sad, but um, I've um, I've rebought a capsule collection, so oh, I'm, thank God. I'm existing in a very sort of like pared down way. And I did get a crying present, Charlotte Tilbury lipstick, through the post from my friend. Oh, so that's cute. That was nice. Um, so it's all fine, but at the time I was very in. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so that's what I don't agree with this week and forever. Amazing. Um, well, similarly to you, uh, my I don't agree with it is about me. Um, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes it's a it's like a very good valid one, like uh, Henry's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yours yeah. very valid as well. Um, but you know, Henry's was a good like whole world <coughs> thing. Mm-hmm. Mine is just that I don't agree with um the fact that in I, I had many an illness over the past few weeks. Um, I went to Portugal with raging tonsillitis um, and then a raging period, and then on the second day back from my holiday, got food poisoning. Um, so I've just been absolutely through it, through the ringer. Okay. My body is dead. And in 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 uh, in payment of all this illness, my body's decided to give me these two hideous boils on my face, <laughs> which um, to be honest is just not okay because the, like, the literal price you pay for a good time. Yeah, like I am just trying to be out here being hot, living my life, and like going on holiday. And what do I get? What's the payment I get? Two hideous boils. Like I don't know if they're cold sores. I don't know if their spots gone wrong. I have no idea what's going on anymore. Like my body is completely like fucked essentially, and I'm very upset about it. And I don't agree with it because I was very brave and good about my illnesses. And then I get I get made ugly, which is not fair. So. It's, quite, um, it's quite like fairy tale or like um, biblical justice almost, isn't it? It's like you had too yeah, much but, fun. But what so have I now... done? <laughs> <laughs> so 
someone at my work said to me today, they went, they went, oh, you need to find out who's cursed you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you, you know what? You're not wrong. You do. I do. Um, everything is just taking a very though. long time to heal in my body. I think I'm just like completely run down, which is like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But um, yeah, I'd, I'm not going to go on about it for too long, but I don't agree with it. We're definitely near near the ending stages of them. So yeah. I should be beautiful before we know it. But yeah. for now, I'll be, I'll just, I'll just live with it. You need to have some of those like superfood smoothies or something. Too. Yeah. Just put, mm. put like a, put an asahi berry on it. Yeah. And exactly. see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And a bo- bottom burger on each eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a poultice. <laughs> like cucumbers. <laughs> Right. Well, I know, I know the imagery I'm doing for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Henry. It's so helpful. <laughs> Amazing. I, I honestly don't know how I'm going to follow this up with a question, but I have to because I need to ask it. But um, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that um, the book is being adapted for TV. So the first question mm. is, when can we expect it to be on our screens if we have any indication? And the second question is, you know, the book is filled with loads of really different, rich, diverse characters. Um, would you ever explore some of the other characters' stories um, from First Time for Everything in a future book? Um, the life and times of Titty, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Titty, the major unexplored character of the yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fourth railway child. Um, first, answer to first question. We don't know when it will be happening. Um, I am adapting it uh, with the amazing Moon River content now. Um, it's very, the process of, I mean, I thought the process of writing a book was slow, but the process of, of TV is is very slow, but um yeah so there's no I can't give you any certainties on that but hopefully not too long um and I would love to do a follow-up to Danny um because I just feel like I I deliberately ended his story on when almost his life is beginning Mm -hmm. because that's what I want that's the the book this book is about this strange period of his life when everything is turned upside down and he very quickly changes and and is sort of almost ready to live the life he's been too scared to live now mm-hmm. so I feel like there is so much more story there within him but then also of course we have this huge quirky cast of characters and something I would love to do in the tv show I've only written the pilot so far but is to go more into their stories especially Jacob yeah um, and some of the other housemates and um and learn more about them which is something you can do more easily in tv or film than than in a book the it just the format lends itself better to it because in the novel is written from danny's perspective so he's a he's an unreliable narrator we get everything through his lens which is very often incorrect um and so (laughs) there's a lot more space in a in a when you're seeing literally what's happening um to explore the other avenues of the other characters but it's something I would love to do in a second book as well I'd really love to like I imagine you know Laura his his sort of horrible housemate he lives with to begin with I sort of imagine her actually in a second book almost going through the process that he's going through Mm. because I don't think it's just queer people that live live a life they think they should do and then break free from it I think a lot of a lot of people she's she's someone who performs kind of womanhood but like this very kind of traditional modern take I suppose traditional take on modern womanhood which is that like everything is from Laura Ashley and she's got a calf kids and apron and all this kind of thing and she I think I hope if I've written it well enough you can see that almost she is frustrated with the version of herself she's performing so I'd love as one of the characters to explore more I'd love to explore what could happen as she like you know goes that shit crazy. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, I, love I would that. love that. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to say that one of my biggest laughs in the whole thing was when uh, you referenced the Bowden catalogue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, in our lives. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> know that. <laughs> it's one of the many rich references I've drawn from. <laughs> 
you remember so um our friend's mom used to get the Bowdoin catalogs through and we used to go and stay there um you know over like the holidays and things and we used to like go through do you remember we used to like go through the Bowdoin catalog because it back in the old days they used to have these like hilarious interviews with the models and like just yeah so just like the random models of Bowdoin so like you know they they weren't famous (laughs) or anything and they'll be like so um, ideal dinner guest to just this yeah. random model of Bowden. Yeah. And like, so Tessa, what's your favorite sandwich? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> ridiculous stuff. It was amazing. Very and fun, they got, fun. they got rid of it and it, it was very sad for us. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking about writing a short story based on catalog models. <laughs> we are giving you so what? much inspiration today. Yeah. Cause you see, like, you see like all those models, like, you know, like, like advertising weird things and I'm like what else is going what else is your life this is all we're seeing mm. you like advertising a vape or whatever yes what else is happening our friend's mum um was a model you know like one of those like chic older ladies in the back of um you know like Sunday supplements that would be wearing a very tasteful swimming costume and opening up a bath right okay yes the door bar yes yeah okay Yeah. yeah So she she did that, which um, is very chic and cool. Um, so maybe you could write a story about her. Um, <laughs> but um, back to first time for everything. And to summarize the experience, if you could have people learn one thing from first time for everything, what would it be? Uh, it would be to find out the person that you are and how you want to live your life really that's the that's the I hate kind of moral prose but there's no kind of moral to the story in that sense but if there were one it would be about finding out who you are and living your life the way that you want to do it because no one else really cares that much like I always think this when I'm when I started going to the gym with my friend who dragged me there reluctantly I kept thinking oh man everyone's going to be looking at me and thinking like oh this guy's like never been to the gym before but everyone's looking at themselves (laughs) and I feel like life is a little bit like that in the sense that nobody cares about the life that you're living as much as you do and that's the most the most important thing not to be like uh I don't know too individualistic about it (laughs) it's it's the most devastating yet freeing thing that we can learn I think like whenever I'm like uh sometimes getting like a a funk or whatever I think like oh god like why aren't things happening or whatever and then I'm like if if I don't do it nobody else will like no Mm -hmm. one's gonna do it for me like Mm -hmm. I have to do the things like and I think it is a very freeing thing to uh to actually realize that um and yeah no very good um lovely uh message I hope people do take that forward um and you've already sort of you already sort of touched on the fact that you are writing a second book is there anything you can tell us about that second book um or uh is it very very early doors it's quite early stages um but it's not a sequel to this novel but I guess it's uh in the same tone in some ways I always um I always knew the first novel would be about one person kind of figuring out themselves at their point of life kind of by themselves and I wanted the second one to be about two people figuring out themselves together a bit more so it's a bit more of a romance I suppose where it's these two guys who are uh, sort of quite different in lots of ways sort of working through their wounding um, together and separately in order to to see if they can have a relationship together Um, and there's also some environmental stuff (laughs) good yes (laughs) sounds good well that's very exciting um so before we just completely wrap up where can people find you where are you on socials um is there anything you'd like to plug oh yeah tell us about the new tour and where you're going to be and how people can um get involved with that oh my gosh yes so you can find me on instagram at henry c fry and no, you can't. That's Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Henry C. Fry and Instagram. I'm Henry underscore underscore Fry. Oh, the double um, underscore. Double underscore. Single with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and look out for my book. It's out everywhere. It's in North America. It's in Australia, I think. It's in the UK everywhere from um, the 23rd of June. You can get it on Kindle. You can buy an amazing, um, had this amazing uh, actor perform it for the um, Audible version. 
um so you can get it in all different formats amazing exciting exciting stuff and as henry says um, first time for everything is out now go and buy it and discuss it with your friends and dissect this podcast talk about all the themes and really just you know connect with a really genuinely funny hilarious um sensitive um book and i yeah i i would really recommend it so please go and um read it now it can be your holiday read oh, if yeah. you're lucky enough to be jetting off and hopefully not coming back with several illnesses, illnesses oh. yeah don't, don't talk about them they can hear you <laughs> um so to wrap up um as for us you can find us at queer longing on instagram and on twitter if you want to send us an email if there is an author um, that is bringing a book out and you would like to hear from them let us know um who you would recommend you can email us um queerlonging at gmail.com or even if you want to get in touch to tell us what you're not agreeing with um what's grinding your gears what you're living and longing for we always always love to hear from you so i think that is everything from us this week henry it's been an absolute pleasure um, oh, thank you so guys. much for joining us and for making us laugh loads um we've really really enjoyed it <laughs> i've really enjoyed it too thank you for having me we'll just say fake bye now but then we'll really say bye after yeah. bye, <laughs> bye. <laughs>